Welcome to Interviews for Resistance. Since election night 2016, the streets of the U.S. have rung with resistance. People all over the country have woken up with the conviction that they must do something to fight inequality in all its forms. But many are wondering what it is they can do. In this series, we'll be talking with experienced organizers, troublemakers, and thinkers who have been doing the hard work of fighting for a long time. They'll be sharing their insights on what works, what doesn't, what has changed, and what is still the same. I am Sarah Jaffe, your host. Um, I'm Laura Goldblatt. I live in Charlottesville, Virginia, and I'm a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Virginia. Give us a rundown. We're talking on Saturday after the conclusion of a rally by the Ku Klux Klan um, and a counter rally that you helped organize. So tell us about um, how today went. Um, I think that um, today people in Charlottesville showed up in an act of community uh, self-defense when the city showed that they would not defend us nor would the police. And so in that sense, we celebrated our strength as, our, as a community um, and our ability to stand with each other um, and provide um, some measure of safe space in the midst of a really hostile moment. Um, so people showed up at the park um, early in the day. People started with prayers, um, and more and more people gathered. There was music. Um, there were people with signs. There was this beautiful um, crane installation of a thousand cranes because it, uh, cranes are a Japanese sign of solidarity, and it's believed that if you fold a thousand cranes, you'll be granted a wish. So people embedded in the cranes, um, their wishes yeah. to end white supremacy. Um, so people gathered at the um, at the park. There were thousands of people there. Um, it was a really moving show of the community coming out, despite the fact that the city had officially discouraged people from coming and instead organized a variety of alternative events. Um, and then the police provided safe passage for the Klan to enter the park. They violently removed protesters who were standing at the entrance um, that the Klan had been intended to use in order to prevent them from entering and from endangering our community. Police brutally removed those protesters, um, but nonetheless, activists remained chanting at the Klan um, and lingered long after following the police as the police, again, provided safe passage to the Klan back to their cars. Um, and then following that, um, the police set off several chemical agents, um, including several in the vicinity of activists who they had injured in pushing them away or pushing them down, and those activists were in the direct line of those um, chemical agents and could not move because they were wounded. We delayed the clan. I mean, they showed up. Their permit was from 3 to 4. They didn't even get into the park until, like, 3.55. Um, yeah. So that seems like the fact that we could not completely prevent them from entering, um, it would have been a bigger victory. But, yeah, we delayed them. There was, like, eight of them and thousands of us um, there that were stronger than them. There's more of us than them. And that's the state and the threat of racist terrorism can't keep us away. Choose um, from two public parks in the area. Um, and the Klan has a really long and intimate history with those statues. So the Klan was formed in 1921 at Thomas Jefferson's grave at Monticello. Um, so they're very closely tied with a long history that reaches all the way back to the founding of the United States as a sovereign nation in terms of the history of white supremacy. Um, and right. then the Klan, um, with various supporters, um, put up these statues, one in 1924, and I'll have to check on the date for the second. It might be 1926. 
um, but put mm-hmm. up these, these two statues, and they were actually put up overlooking um, what at the time were two prominent black communities as a way to intimidate people of color um, mm-hmm. and Jews and immigrants in the area, um, and so they served as a kind of warning. So in a lot of ways, the Klan coming back today to this particular park and to rally around this statue was a kind of homecoming for them, um, and I think shows us the ties between um, historical white supremacy and its persistence in this city to this day. Yeah. And so talk a little bit about, you mentioned briefly the, the response of the city government to the Klan deciding to have this rally and the police protecting them. Um, but yeah, talk a little bit about the different attempts that were made to stop this from happening. Yeah, so people have been to city council meetings um, and have demanded that this permit be revoked as a matter of public safety. Um, and we've reiterated that demand for August 12th, which will be an even larger white supremacist rally um, in newly named Emancipation Park, which was formerly called Lee Park, um, where we're going to see even more groups and groups that have um, a real commitment to violence and have been violent at other similar events across the nation. Um, so activists attended city council meetings and demanded that these permits be revoked um, as a matter of public safety. People wrote letters, sent emails or editorials, um, and the city has said that this is constitutionally protected free speech um, and that they mm-hmm. cannot revoke the permits and that these groups are allowed to come despite the threat that they pose to public safety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and instead, so, I should say... Okay. Oh, instead, the city has said, um, you should just ignore them. Um, we'll provide other events for you to go to. But of course, um, historically, ignoring white supremacy has not been a winning strategy. Right, right, yeah. And so, yeah, tell us a bit then about the organizing that has been done on that front um, since the city refused to revoke the permit. Um, talk about how the rally, the counter rally came together today and the the, um, I guess the ties within the community that are growing out of this organizing. Yeah, so there were a bunch of groups that came together to organize, um, and it was a, a really large coalition, a larger coalition than we've seen so far um, in terms of different groups. So one group that was organizing was Surge, standing up with racial, uh, standing up for racial justice. There was a Black Lives Matter chapter that was um, that was organized. There's a recently formed group called Congregate Keyville, um, which is a group of faith leaders who are really concerned about white supremacy and racial justice, um, and have come together, you know, in an act of solidarity with these other groups. We saw um, that there's these other groups, um, Epic, Equity and Progress in Charlottesville, which plugged a lot of the events, and some people had sort of cross-pollinated between the two groups, and even some people from the indivisible chapter of Charlottesville had come to organizing meetings. Um, and there's also some, some other local activists who I think led, led their hands together. So we had a lot of people working on a lot of different fronts. It was a really, really large rally. It took a lot of organizing. And so... Um, all these different groups were meeting on these various topics, everything from action planning to security to medics um, to, um, you know, respond, you know, jail support and various kinds of legal response. Um, and we only really came together as a larger coalition um, with certain representatives um, yesterday and got to talk through, like, um, you know, how we were taking care of each other um, and things like that. Yeah. And so you said that there's going to be another larger rally in August. Um, yeah. What are the, yeah, after today, sort of what are some lessons that you took away from how today went that you're planning to put into the planning for the next one? 
I mean, one lesson is that our community is strong um, and that we are um, looking out for each other and we're here to protect each other, despite the fact that it's very clear that the city and the police are not there to protect us. So that's an old activist lesson, but one that I think um, was reiterated for us today, that the police are here to, pr to protect capitalism, they're here to protect white supremacy, and we shouldn't be surprised that we see these racist policies in our criminal justice system, things like um, bail bond and the fact that people can be held because they're too poor to get themselves out of jail, or the ways that people are prosecuted for drug crimes in the area. Um, so I think those are two big lessons that were strong, that the police are not um, necessarily for us. But the other lesson I think that we learned is that these monuments are symbols of white supremacy in Charlottesville, and it's not enough to call for their removal, that we have to push for these material demands too. We have to say that you can't get rid of one without getting rid of the other, and that these two things are linked. We're using this as a way to catalyze change in Charlottesville. So um, this is a really um, inequitable system that targets people of color, um, gives them really serious criminal sentences for, you know, small possession for personal use. Um, it has been used to decimate um, poor and communities of color in Charlottesville in ways that have um, disenfranchised and decimated kind of inherited wealth for generations. And so that's one thing that we see. Same thing with the bail bond system. We are at a crisis for public housing in Charlottesville, and I should mention that FAR, the Public Housing Association of Residents, is really active here, um, and they have been doing a lot of self-advocacy, but also they threw their support behind this rally, um, and they have put forth a really robust and compelling plan for um, what public housing should prioritize and what it should look like, um, but we see instead that the city has been favoring developers and have been trying basically to ghettoize the city's uh, poorest residents. And so those policies need to change, they need to take real action um, to solve this public housing crisis and to make sure that our most vulnerable communities um, have access to safe jobs and to safe places to live. Um, we want the August 12th permit revoked. We want the statues removed. Um, and I'm trying to think if there's any others. Oh, um, and we want them to change the ways that um, the foster care system works because we see that people of color lose their children at really astonishing rates. Um, and it's, like, totally racist to take these kids out of homes where they're loved and to put them in these really unstable circumstances because of a kind of sense that certain kinds of homes don't need a white standard what they should look like. Um, how can people keep up with you and, and the work that the coalition is doing, especially leading up to the August round? Um, so there we have a website, SolidaritySeville.com, and so people should check us out there. They can follow us on Twitter, at SolidSeville. They can also check out the Black Lives Matter chapter in Charlottesville by liking their Facebook page. Same thing with um, Surge, Standing Up for Racial Justice, the chapter in Charlottesville. Um, and search through those to find. I don't know if Congregate Seville has a um, has a Facebook page yet, but hopefully they will soon if they don't. So they can follow all of those. And we're planning um, not to be idle um, between now and August 12th. We're going to continue to um, advocate for our cause, advocate to have that um, permit revoked, but also to advocate for uh, changing these policies that um, Charlottesville, like other places in the country, is confronting this real terrorism of racial injustice um, and racial violence, and we can, um, we can stop it. We can make this change, and we can have a community that provides good jobs and um, a sense where people are able to watch out for each other and to support each other rather than having to deal with police repression and brutality. 
Hi, my name is Mimi Arbeit. I'm an organizer with Showing Up for Racial Justice Charlottesville, working to end white supremacy and make reparations in the city of Charlottesville. So um, now we're talking on Sunday. Yesterday, you guys had a rally to counter the Ku Klux Klan having a rally in Charlottesville. So tell us how it went. Charlottesville mobilized yesterday. The people of Charlottesville came out in high numbers with strong spirit and really showed the vibrancy of our collective energy to resist intimidation and initiate change. Um, What we did see was that the police were there to protect white supremacy. The police chose the Klan over our people. And that is excruciating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So talk a little bit about the organizing that led up to the counter rally and the massive turnout that you guys experienced. Yeah. So showing up for racial justice is committed to mobilizing white people to do the work of dismantling white supremacy and supporting the movement for black lives. And we've been working in Charlottesville on a number of levels uh, to have conversations to make sure that white people are paying attention and engaging and also doing the deep healing work to open ourselves to seeing the lies of white supremacy and to reconciling the harm that's been done for centuries uh, and working in coalition with brilliant and powerful activists um, in all different kinds of groups, some people working sometimes with organizations, sometimes representing themselves, a lot of Mm -hmm. um, people just coming out to do the work as individuals, as community members, because it's essential work to do. Yeah. Yeah. So... Tell us a little bit about the the history of this in, in Charlottesville, both like the history of the Klan doing things like this and then the history of the town's response to it. Yeah. So to talk about history, let's start with the person who's credited with the founding of Charlottesville, which is Thomas Jefferson, who also founded UVA, the University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. The Klan is Jefferson's legacy. Thomas Jefferson popularized white supremacist ideology in this country. The first meeting of the 1920s Charlottesville Klan chapter was at Thomas Jefferson's tomb at Monticello, and Monticello being Thomas Jefferson's plantation. So the history of enslavement, um, the history of Thomas Jefferson raping Sally Hemings is connected to the history of these Lee and Jackson statues that uphold the violence of the Confederacy and the oppression of slavery. and the Klan is part of that history, too. So what we need to do in Charlottesville is to confront the legacy of Thomas Jefferson. Uh, Thomas Jefferson is still celebrated. There is a festival weekend dedicated to celebrating him. There is the president of University of Virginia, Teresa Sullivan, who references Thomas Jefferson time and again. There are so many things named after Thomas Jefferson, and the people of Charlottesville need to confront and be able to betray 
the racist, rapist legacy of Thomas Jefferson in order to truly be ready to do the work of racial justice. Yeah. And um, so what sort of what lessons did you learn yesterday that you will be taking forward? I understand their plan is planning another rally in Charlottesville. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that. So the rally coming up in Charlottesville is the August 12th Unite the Right March on Charlottesville. This is planned by a set of new white supremacist groups. Uh, So several different new white supremacist groups that have been on the rise more recently. The Klan specifically, as the Ku Klux Klan is not named, but these newer white supremacist groups are no different from the KKK, except they pose an even greater threat of violence. Um, And ignoring the Klan in the 1920s allowed them to terrorize and murder black people. And ignoring new white supremacist groups today, these ones that are coming in August in Charlottesville, led to their gain in political power, led to their gain of the presidency, and has led to harassment and violence nationwide. So we must confront and disavow this march on Charlottesville that is scheduled for August 12th. And the local community is asking Mayor Signer and the city of Charlottesville to revoke the permit for the August 12th rally. This is essential for racial justice and for community safety. Yeah. Excellent. What else should people know about um, what went on in Charlottesville this weekend? Yeah. Um, this is this is a mobilizing moment, and particularly for white Americans, this moment can be a life changing moment to see how much deeper we need to go for Black lives to matter here and to see the threat of violence and the possibility of movement building. And I want people to see that if Charlottesville can be a target of racist violence and intimidation, communities across the country can also be a target of racist violence and intimidation. And if Charlottesville can mobilize in resistance, communities across the country can also mobilize in resistance. Interviews for Resistance is a project of Sarah Jaffe with assistance from Laura Fayebois and support from the Nation Institute. You can find more information at necessarytrouble.org. Thanks for listening.